mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, you're listening to the LM Experience. I'm Stuart Gregory. This is episode 19 with Martin Stewart. Hi, Martin. Hello, Stuart. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Good, good. Yeah, not too bad. Have you sold your business after Chris Budd came on the other week? Oh, God, wheels in motion. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have, yeah. Um, uh, just some of the news today before we get started, um, Stuart, was the... Um, you see the sale of Optum, the second charge lender to uh, to Pepper. Yes, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Very what's, your, what's your sort of take on that? Um, it's interesting to see that uh, standard lender really uh, first charge, first lender, charge is lender is in that market now, where they're looking to to, to go across into that area. Because yeah. I think part of the issue, I think, with with brokers recognising the benefit of looking into second charge borrowing, for example, second mortgages, whatever they want to call them, I think that that gives a link there. Which I think, from from that particular, from Pepper's perspective, must be great to know. Yeah, got I think that be, that's an interesting move for the industry, and I think um, I think we'll see the second charge market moving much closer to the first charge. Mm-hmm. And I think there'll be a lot more oversight from lenders and things like fees and criteria, yeah. and income multiples and things like that. I think it's a very positive move for the market. I'd be surprised if we don't see uh, see a few more. Yeah, it's an interesting move, definitely. Ah, right, who've we got in today? Let's have a look. Oh, look at that handsome face over there, Mr. Daniel White from White Financial Services. Hello, Dan. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, good morning. Okay. Good How morning. are you? I'm very well, thank good, you. Good, good. You've come all the way up from Somerset. Up from Taunton, I to have. To see us today, Dan. I will try my hardest not to uh, let my Somerset you accent. Are. Yeah. You are. You come up on a combine harvest, or do you get the train N- up? Not quite. I'd still be travelling <laughs> for four or five days. <laughs> um, so, Dan, look, we, you know, we've been, we've been me, you and Stu, we've been industry friends for, for a couple of years now. I think we, we met originally on Twitter. So why don't you just give us a little bit of a background about you know your career. How, how, how are you in financial services? What, what went wrong in, in your life that <laughs> you ended up to be a mortgage broker? Very good question. Uh, okay, so my mortgage career uh, started in uh, late 2004. I uh, just turned 19, um, wow. and a family friend was a director of a mortgage brokerage, and they were looking for some admin processing staff. I was working in the pub at the time, and it was an opportunity to get a decent job, <laughs> so to say. I think um, the pub is a decent job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I joined this company. Um, it was just basic processing tasks, supporting an underwriter. The company had advisors based in London and, and based in Somerset as well. Um, really enjoyed it, um, really wanted to learn about the industry, um, worked quite hard, kept my head down and, and got promoted within that company. A couple of years later, the director who uh, initially was the family friend um, left that company and set his own company up mm-hmm. in Taunton, which was actually a franchise of exclusive connections. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's the mm-hmm. previous company to what's now known as Brilliant Solutions. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Arena. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly right, yeah. So that was Exclusive Connections uh, Southwest, um, and the proposition there was B2B. So we would, I mean, that was back in the days when you had SPML, you know, high home loans, yeah. Yeah. TMB days. Um, and we had a B2B proposition whereby we'd support brokers across the Southwest, um, packaging cases for them, placing cases for them, um, some real dirty cases. Um, I then became qualified in 2009 through the same company. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you'd, you'd move through the credit crunch at this point? Had you? Just, uh, so just, to, to, to that, yes. Yeah, so obviously, the credit cr- yeah. the credit crunch hit, um, and we lost a load of lenders because of it, because they yeah. lost their funding lines yeah, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, so pretty much overnight. Yeah. Mm. Pretty, yeah, exactly right. Um, 
but I, 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 you know, I really wanted to, to get my qualifications done. I wanted to become an advisor. Um, I had a bit of experience in the office because the uh, my boss at the time, he was part. He was an AR part of a network, and uh, used to get compliance visits. So on the day before, Dan, here's a load of files. Shred them. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't shred them. Do the compliance. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> then shred them. Sort yeah. them out. <laughs> so, um, so I was writing recommendation letters and and, and just making the files. Um, look quite pretty um we lost the lenders um i then did my qualifications but we kind of hit uh, a dead end whereby because the business had really slowed down we couldn't offer any products to the brokers mm-hmm. um i'd become qualified but I had nothing to do you know no mm. client bank you phone know. wasn't ringing yeah exactly right mm. exactly right uh early 2010 the company um crashed went mm. bust um so I then uh, moved across to Yorkshire Building Society as oh. an advisor. I was there only there for a couple of months, um, and then I moved across to Halifax um, to be a, an advisor in the branch. Um, absolutely detested it. <laughs> detested it. Um, what, what, what in particular? Did so sales machine pot- by any chance? Sorry? Sales machine? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, your background yeah. as well, isn't yeah, it? To yeah. a degree, not, not Halifax, but you've been in the branch, the branch network. I did, I did four and a half years with Halifax. Yeah. Is it soul-destroying? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah very, uh, a lot of politics going on in Branch, yeah. bickering. Mm. Um, you've obviously got um, the staff at the desk who are there to try and generate appointments, but you're sitting there with people. And, and you know, I, the frustration for me was that because I'd come from a whole-of-market background in terms of the packaging and the clients that we spoke to, mm-hmm. you would sit down with a client, obviously go through the in-Branch products, um, they didn't find a property, go through an estate agent, what a course. You know, Straight you, away. You, you've only got your Halifax product suite compared mm. to to the estate agents um and then you get your area manager on the phone what have you sold today <laughs> sold yeah how many of this have you done and it, oh, it, it was demoralizing it, it mm. really I, I hated it um and then one of the companies that i used to deal with previously on, on a b2b basis um they approached me and said look um why don't you come and be an advisor for us back to whole of market yeah um, self-employed advisor um i was 24 25 at the time and just thought to go for it i've got nothing to lose no one ever mm. absolutely yeah left went to be a self-employed advisor first year did really well um wrote a lot of business and then in my uh uh the way i'm in terms of my personality call it arrogant <laughs> um i thought i thought uh, you know why I am i better exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what you know why is a, a company taking a slice of my money um i could do this on my own mm. quite naively um, and then uh, I went on a, um, I had a bit of a break actually, I had about a six to eight week break. So I went traveling to New Zealand and Australia over Christmas, got back and then put my full application into the FCA, or yeah. it was the FSA at the time, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for directly authorized authorization. That took probably about four to five months to right. go through. Um, Did you not know that at the time? Do you not realize all? I knew it was about six months. Right. Okay. Um, the application part was qu- was quite quick. Yeah. The problem I had is that you had the transition from the FSA to the FCA. FCA so then I time. had someone at the F uh, at the FSA dealing with my application. Yeah. Then I get another case manager at the FCA. Yeah. Uh, so then you you know you've, you've got to be patient with that. And then the company that I was leaving, it kind of didn't end too well, and, and a couple of things happened. Yeah. And trying to prevent messy exit. Exactly right. Yeah. Trying mm-hmm. to prevent me to open and everything else and referencing. The FCA just said put it down to sour grapes, gave the authorization. That was in May 2013. Right. Mm-hmm. That was White Financial Services. It was born, had a, a difficult year. Um, just getting the momentum going. No, no, within the first couple of months, I had uh, another advisor come with me from the previous yeah. company. 
um, someone who I trusted quite well. Um, and then after two or three months, I was £50,000 down in wow. insurance fraud. Oh, really? What, yeah. the policies lapsed? It was taken. made up made up names. So no basically, way. this person had a, an estate agency. Yeah. Um, and they would then set the premiums to be paid out of the estate agency account. Yeah. Pocket the commissions. Now, there was a few commissions coming in. Like I said, quite naively, I put it down to um, the messy split from the yeah. previous company. Mm-hmm. Um, rebroken the protections. And after some compliance checks, it was kind of like... Uh, Oh dear! That's really, really, yeah. It it absolutely destroyed me because you know, at twenty-seven, twenty-eight years old, you've just launched your own company. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're in contact with the FCA, the police, the insurance companies, Mm -hmm. directors' guarantees in my name. Insurance companies saying, right now, you've got to pay us this money back, etc., etc. And to be honest with you, they were quite, they were quite good with me. Yeah. Like, look, list of a monthly. How much can you pay us on a monthly basis? Two pound a week. But still, at that age, you know, when you're you're launching a new business, I've only been self-employed for eighteen months, so the client bank isn't there. So, um, what, so what happened then? I mean, did, you, did you chase him? I mean, so the police dealt with no it. names, but yeah, yeah, the, the police dealt with it. Yeah. Um, he got arrested. He did try um, fraud then. Yeah, tried doing a runner. Um, got brought back into the country. Wow. Um, they had him on a couple of other things, uh, and then about eighteen months later, um, I think the night before he was due to be sentenced, um, his barrister transferred a load of money through to my solicitor, um, which covered. Majority of money, but yep. there's still quite a substantial amount outstanding, which I've I've got a charge on that person's house, which right. is earning interest on it. God, what a character building exercise that has been for you! Yeah, in, yeah, in your first six months of being on your first own. Six months, yeah, it, it, it was you quite did well tough to get through that. I don't know, a lot of people. It wouldn't. was quite emotional. Yeah, um, and, and obviously, I'm filling up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for you. <laughs> And, and, and it was a good job. I had some family that stuck by me. Yeah. Um, but it it was a period of time for probably twelve to eighteen months where I was literally working non-stop to see who I who yeah. I could exactly right yeah. um, and just about keeping my head above the yeah. water yeah. paying everything that, off that can always be heavily underestimated in our industry what? in terms of the impact that if you're trying to get off the ground and you haven't got financial backing money Cash being thrown yeah if yeah. you haven't got f- companies throwing money at you so you can become mm-hmm. successful overnight the struggle is real yeah and yeah. people yeah. completely overlook that um, I, I started a business with I think it was £10,000 I had. Mm. Um, had an office, you know, systems, done a bit of redecoration, you know, that, mm. that takes up a couple of thousand. So all of a sudden, you know, obviously there was pipeline business mm. coming through as well. Yeah. But, you know, you keep your, co- your costs relatively small. And all of a sudden, when you're, when you're paying back, and, and, you know, I solicitor's fees to incorporate into yeah, that yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you're paying back this money, it's like... Yeah. yeah. You question yourself numerous times, don't you? I was going to say, do, looking back thing, now, Dan, because it's a really good story, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good moral lesson for anyone in the industry right now. Did you, did you miss something? Did you look back and think, actually, there was a warning sign and I missed it, or did you just completely... Yeah, there, there were a couple of warning signs, but like I said, I was quite naive. I was yeah. quite young. Um, to me, opening up White Financial Services was getting a, a directly authorised company. It wasn't about running a company. Mm. It was just about being a mortgage broker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, you come into the realms of, you've got to do two returns, Gabrielle returns yeah. to the FCA twice a year. You know, my first return, I'm thinking, what, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It took me three days. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Well, I know? still think that now after 10 years. <laughs> that, that, that will never leave you, Dan. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I get my accountant to do mine now. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, but I, I must admit, throughout that whole period of having to pay back that money, I never, ever, ever had a... a a doubt in myself or a doubt that I wouldn't come through it. Yeah. I never turned around and thought, what the hell am I doing? I'm just going to 
pack Walk it all away. in or whatever, you know, because this had become my dream career, mm. you know, ever since I started doing the processing from an early age, it'd become a dream career. And I wasn't prepared to let that go without putting up a fight. Mm. Um, and then I, I met a contact in Taunton about 18 months later, uh, an estate agent. We, we had a joint office. Um, so I was working, the referral was coming from them, did a bit of network, and I knew a few people from Halifax Day. So the IFAs that I worked with in the branch, mm-hmm. they also went independent as well. So I was working with them on clients. Um, and um, and then, yeah, the story is, and then I broke away from the state agency because I needed to have my own independent office. Yeah. Um, that's it. And here you are now. Exactly right, yeah. Good story. Good story. You've learned from it. Well, we all learned from that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it builds, yeah. I think things like that build so much resilience, don't they? And I think... Certainly, what it does do, I think, the level of confidence you have when you come out of a period like that then leads you to think differently. And experiences that you've had previously impact on how you view the world afterwards. Yeah. Certainly did for me, because I went through a real rough spell first four or five years, to be (laughs) honest, um, where I was having to pay out chunks of money to third-party company, various issues which relate to things I wasn't told at the beginning. Mm. But when it came down to it, it pushes you through, but it does change you as well. It does change you. I mean, I became a person for a couple of years that was very cynical. Mm-hmm. I still, I'm a bit cynical now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a defense wall. Mm. So sometimes you can come across to people that you haven't met as being very arrogant, very ignorant, and quite difficult to talk to. And I became that person right. because in my mind, I was watching everything that, the people I was socialising with, the mm-hmm. people that I was talking with, the business contacts, who I was doing business with. Yeah. You know, this guy almost single-handedly destroyed me. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're waiting for someone to burn your fingers again almost, aren't you? You, you are. are. Who's Absolutely the next one right, yeah. You always, see, you always see... I mean, over the last 18 months, I've probably become a lot better with yeah. it and, and I'd probably say a lot more chore. Mm. You know, so I, I can look at sit- certain situations and see the positives, but you're exactly right there, Martin. Mm. Yeah, you are, you are looking at it and thinking, right, you know... What's this person going to do? I think as well, the other thing that does get overlooked as well is, is although we probably don't talk about it enough, is basically if you are in a situation where you're getting a company yourself off the ground, it is a very lonely place to be. Mm. And as a result, you, yeah, have, absolutely. you have to fight, continually fight your own corner. Yeah, even lonelier if you're 50 grand overdrawn, because through no fault of your own. I mean, <laughs> well, I didn't even have an overdraft because, you know, <laughs> yeah. three yeah. months into business, I'm like, nothing. You're going to get one. Yeah. Yeah. I just managed to pull through and add some mm. family that helped me out. But yeah, exactly right. But Well, you know. listen, look, I, I think I remember you telling me that story a couple of years ago, but I've forgotten it. And I'm glad you came on today, Dan, shared that, because I think mm. that's a salutary lesson for the industry as a whole about who we have to, who, who we, you know, be careful who you work with. Mm. Uh, also, I think there's an issue here with with commissions on life policies Absolutely there's a story right. there isn't yeah, there so there if someone is, came yeah. along today and said look i want to be uh, i want to be your protection specialist at white financial services dan and i want to take everything up front what you know your previous experience will that steer you to a, a decision that well alarm bells are ringing straight away yeah straight away you know, yeah. if someone approaches you and says you know i want to come and or i want to do this or, or be that then you've got to think to yourself well why are they coming to me for mm, yeah and um, what's the background where have they come from you know white financial services i'm a small da firm mm. Um, so what am I actually going to be able to give to them? You know, yeah. what, what's it's quite the weird though because I mean, I, I even second guess sometimes when I get new inquiries through, and it's quite bizarre because you think to yourself in that way, you think, well, why, 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 why is why is it me? Because I get some could get a new inquiry through from Cardiff, for example, and I always ask the question because I think, well, I'm not going to take a risk or anything. Mm. Literally, how did you hear about us? And if I don't like the answer, 
I will not yeah, do anything yeah, because yeah. it just it's not worth the risk, is it? <clears throat> That's the thing. Well, you got you know you got to do your due diligence. Well, your you? yeah, you audit trail starts right there, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it can end right there as well, yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on how that phone call goes. Yeah. So I think yeah, you've got to be very very careful nowadays mm. uh, because you know our names are above the door. You know, as we've learned, that's what that's what people don't understand. You know, when yeah. you know, I've had situations in the past with advisors, and when you come down, compliance to me is easy. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it really is easy. But when you come down and you have certain rules and people don't like it, mm. um, they forget that you're the one. It's your name. Yeah. If something happens, they your come money. to you. They don't come to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we don't have this situation where yeah. individuals are named on the FCA register. Yeah. It's the firms. Firm. It's the principles of those yeah. firms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a sizable change that should have happened with MMR, to be honest. Yeah. And I know it was obviously the lenders were fighting big against that, yeah. weren't they, at the time? Absolutely. But, um, well, look, Dan, Dan, we've got a couple of questions for you. Okay, bro. On Twitter. First one I'm going to give you is from uh, Coventry Building Society. And for anyone that is on Twitter, um, listen, this is one lender, I'm sure you'd all agree, who really, they really get Twitter, social media. If anyone follows Coventry, yeah. guy, I don't know who it is that runs that Twitter account, but if he's listening in, you're doing a grand job. Uh, first question from him, we've got, we've got top three things product providers can do to make life easier for clients and advisors so what three things could could a lender do do you think that will improve the process for <clears throat> okay so uh i've got a slightly different opinion on this um in terms of <laughs> <laughs> because i i think uh, uh, there are some really really good lenders out there and i think lenders always get blamed in terms of service turnaround yeah. times but at the same time they do have to deal with a lot of rubbish that brokers do send yeah. to them yeah so i think it works both ways yeah. communication is key yeah um you know, if a lender's got a message or uh, from a BDM point of view, communication is key. If you've got a criteria question, I mean, some of the lenders, in, in terms of when you ring them up straight away, they have people answering the phone immediately. BDMs are out on the road. You know, I know some BDMs do get a hard time because they can't return calls straight yeah. away. But yeah. you've got to appreciate they are on the road. And some of them have got really big people, areas. To exactly cover. right. Seeing people face to face. Communication, um, transparency in terms of criteria and products, yeah. any niches they've got. Um, are a couple of things and like I say in terms of the the brokers I I think it it works both ways I think as brokers we have to make a real conscious effort to vet these applications when we submit them to lenders so that when it goes to the lender they haven't got to pick up the mess it's a straightforward story because the longer they spend on a case the more their processing times get delayed. Yeah, and absolutely. that's one thing that we need to bear in mind. We are their first underwriter I've said that many, many times and therefore you should pay us more. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go on that subject. <laughs> <laughs> Different day. Um, next question. This one's from um, Adam Hosker, who is at Adam underscore Hosker on Twitter. Um, he has said, last month I was told by a network that many DA firms are going back to becoming ARs of networks. As you've been DA for over five years, would you go back? Uh, I was never part of a network. Okay, I just went straight to DA. Mm. Um I can understand in some respect why there will be firms that do that because from my own experience um, and being a DA firm on my my own, mm-hmm. I have no one to work with. I'm the one who's asking questions to myself. Um, I'm bouncing ideas off myself. Yeah. Um, so I can understand why brokers want the support network. But what I would say is instead of going to part of a network, to me, and I know that obviously there's some ARs out there that will probably disagree, but you don't... Th- 100% own your business if you're part of a network because you're being controlled. You're being told what mm-hmm. you can and can't do. Well, technically, you probably don't own the, the clients. Exactly right. Or the pipeline. Yeah, depending on the terms and yeah. the conditions, yeah. So, you know, my advice, if it counts for anything in that situation, would be go and join a DA firm that is of some size or work with a DA firm that potentially 
I mean, like the, the setup you've got, Martin, in mm. terms of the, the franchises yeah. or what you know what you want to call it, and get that support network. But obviously, remain as DN. You can do that with other DA firms, mm-hmm. and that gives you the flexibility, and it will give you more more room to grow. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's, uh, Adam's heard that from a network. You know that that's yeah. a, that potentially yeah. is a vested interest talking their narrative, yeah. talking their game. So I take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt. We uh, we we run a number of DA seminars um, where we get people to come along and just find out what being DA is like because no one really talks about being DA um, uh, and no one's really kind of corralled the DA sector together. Um, so, and you know, we've, we've probably presented to 50, 60 people um, who have been, you know, ARs previously or part of a national yeah. about going directly authorised. I think you've, you've been um, previously just sat in some yeah. of those seminars. Yeah. So, and the rooms are full and it's very engaged. Um, and I think from the back of that, probably half of them have gone on to make a DA application to go direct. So there, there is, there, I don't think there's a right and wrong answer. I think what we need to do is just make sure that both sides of the story get, get a fair pitch into the market Agreed. to explain yeah. the pros and the cons. And, and we're very clear about what the negatives are. The Gabriel return is the obvious one. And the fact that your name's above the door. They're the yeah. two big negatives yeah. out there. But we, we put that out there. I think it's only fair that I think we we, we both be allowed time at the microphone to explain the benefits um, of, of both models. Because yeah. being DA is not for everyone, okay? But being, being an AR of a network is not yeah. for everyone. I think that there is definitely an argument perhaps for um, whether this could be done in conjunction with the FCA, whether it could be in conjunction with the AMI, that any future entrants into the market who want to um, engage and become a mortgage broker, for example, has some sort of guidance, let's pick out AMI, as their point of reference Reference at the very beginning of the application process, where they are given the, the options directly from an organisation like that, not a company outside who they may have to contact themselves, who have then got their own vested interest in their own mm. means. Yeah. And, and that would be a good starting point, I think, yeah. on that front. Yeah. Whatever you do, just get a second opinion. Yeah. I mean, my, I'd also you know, say if people want to go to be an hour of a network, go and join a DA firm, arrange a commission split, because hmm. it's effectively, you know, if you don't want to deal with the, the compliance or the risk from a, a DA point of view, hmm. you know, going to be part of a network where well, you're going to have a commission split with them anyway and they look after your compliance for you. Well, a DA hmm. firm will do that. They'll have to. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. If you're going to do a commission split with them, and trust me, life will be a lot easier mm-hmm. than it will be. We should probably get a network on at some point. That'd be quite an interesting interesting debate. Got a question here from uh, Craig Parkinson uh, at continuum underscore Craig. Uh, Dan, if you could change just one thing about the industry, what would that be? Just one thing? Just Yeah, keep your questions easy, Craig. Good this, mate. Yeah, one question, just one thing. Okay, so uh, product distribution. It's an area that I've been quite vocal about on Twitter. I've written a blog about it. Um, and to me, about product distribution, all I want is to create a level playing field mm-hmm. for every single mortgage broker. Okay, so I'm independent. Um, I chose to be independent, but I'm at a disadvantage because I'm a small DA firm. Yeah. Um, my opinion is that product distribution has also contributed to some of the outrageous fees that you may see on a second charge market. Yeah. Um, if you have got a product which is only available to a select number of firms, that product becomes a lot more precious to those firms mm. and the cost of that product can be abused. Um, so to me, it's product distribution. People come back and say, well, lenders want to test the market. They want to quality business, everything else. There are other ways they can do that. 
okay? Yeah. MMR was, part of MMR was about quality of business. Mm. If a broker is not submitting quality business, take them off the panel. Simple as that. Yeah, as you love hanging fruit. Don't deal right with there. them. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right. Um, so it'd be what it'd be product distribution because yeah. all I want is a, a level, level playing field yeah. for every single broker. Because you know, at the end of the day, if you are an independent whole market, you know, we do what we say we do to tick the boxes for that authorization, and then you come into the market, and the industry stops you from being an independent whole market broker because you can't distribute all the products. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, you, know, you can't sit there in front of a client and say I'm an independent broker. Well, um, I've seen a product with HSBC. Well, HSBC won't deal with me. Well, why won't they deal with you? You're supposed to be independent. Yeah. Try explaining that one to a yeah, client yeah, and yeah. keeping your reputation. Yeah. yeah. Interesting one. Excellent. Good one. Excellent. Yeah, well, good. I think we're pretty much there. I think, uh, Dan, last quick question. We always like to end on uh, on a question. Who's your football team? Liverpool. <sighs> Do you know, when, when didn't I... need saying, did it? It I didn't know, need saying. I know. When I grew up, it, I mean, I grew up in, in Wellington, Northamptonshire, and the local team, uh, we moved down to Taunton when I left school, was Rushton and Diamonds. It used to be a season ticket holder, but they went bust. Right. So yeah, it's, and family has always been Liverpool fans. So we're going to win it this year. Is it our year for the seventy-eighth year in a row? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Every year we say this, don't we? We shall reconvene in April and yeah. see. Brilliant, Dan. Look, thanks very much for taking the time to come up. It's no, a long thanks way. for having I me. Really appreciate. It. And it was a really interesting story. Definitely. Uh, and that will, that will that will that will go down well, I think, with listeners. So thanks very much for sharing that and being honest with it, uh, Dan. Episode nineteen in the can. It is indeed. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for your time today, Dan. Um, also yourself, Martin. We are also still looking for additional guests. So if you'd like to come along, yeah. please drop us an email. Yeah. Um, alternatively, you can just tweet us, which is yeah. at the LM Experience on Twitter. You can also suggest questions for future guests as well. In the meantime, we'll be back soon with more episodes. Look forward to it. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Cheers. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Yeah.